Welcome again to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, the Fiction Category Manager at Booktopia. And this is a conversation that I've been really excited to have for a long time. Um, I'm, I'm reaching out over Skype to speak with Victoria Hannon, um, whose book, Kokomo, uh, was the recipient of the VPLA for Unpublished Manuscript. Um, it's a fantastic new literary novel, which I'm really excited to finally see published. Victoria, how are you going today? I'm all right, thank you. Um, you're in, in, in lockdown in Melbourne. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. you're in Melbourne, you're in lockdown. Um, yeah. Are you doing jigsaw puzzles and I'm, staring at the wall? I'm playing with my cat and watching movies and spending a lot of time in my vegetable garden. Good. Yeah, I feel lucky I moved into this house um, just before the first lockdown happened and we have a beautiful garden, so I feel very, very lucky. It's, it's your lockdown home. It is. Um, there's been a, a real great deal of excitement for this novel for some time. Um, as I said, you won the VPLA last year, which is a really highly sought-after prize that's um, seen the publication of some really successful novels and some um, really stellar writing careers that are now flourishing off the back of it. Um, and your publisher is making a, a massive song and dance about this debut, and you've had some stellar early reviews. Um, how does it finally feel to um, have it go out into the public in this time of isolation? It, it sort of feels like an out-of-body experience in a way because it's like I'm having a lot of conversations with my computer and with my phone, like down the phone, but I don't get to see people and it's I just I don't know when I'm even going to be able to see the book in the shops but I think there's something about lockdown which has kind of made the community sort of really come together and everybody is so supportive and has been so lovely um, that maybe I just want this to be the way it is from now on because everyone's so focused and just wants everyone to do well yeah, it's a real silver lining, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I guess the other thing is, like, I'm so happy that it's happening just anyway. Um, this has been something that I've wanted to do for so long and it does feel like kind of the journey from starting to write the book um, over three years ago now um, to winning the VPLA and now to it being published. It feels like it's been a very long time. Mm. So I'm so happy that it hasn't been like the Olympics and been cancelled um, and it's actually happening. So, yeah, that's pretty great. Um, how would you uh, briefly describe the novel for readers who haven't heard of Kokomo yet? Um, I would say I have kind of been working on an elevator pitch because I think like all writers I get asked this all the time. Mm. Um, it's the story of a woman named Mina. She's in her early 30s and she's living in London. She's working in advertising. Um, one day she gets a phone call from her best friend back in Melbourne telling her that her mum has just left the house for the first time in 12 years. So Mina jumps on a plane to come back to Melbourne to find out why. Um, when she gets here, she kind of can't get any straight answers out of her mother, Elaine, and she's being very closed off. And so she sort of has to do a lot of work and have a lot of like strange experiences reconnecting with old friends and then trying to kind of get to the bottom of this mystery with her mother. So it's really the story of kind of women across two generations just trying to understand their place in the world. That's very well put. Thanks. Um, I, I read this book uh, months ago now. Um, but it still ricochets around in my brain. Um, 
I see Mina, your hero, as this um, millennial Australian trying to make her way through adulthood um, with this uncomfortable relationship with the mother, but also with her friends and with herself. Um, and while the circumstance with the mother is unique, I, I still see a great deal of parallel with my life and the lives of people around me. And I, I don't even think that 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 circumstance of the mother um, character is is even that unique. I'm sure there's far more troubled relationships that are all around us. And uh, I think as as young, I don't know, latte slippers. Um, we, we kind of shrink away from those uncomfortable relationships and, and those really hard conversations. Um, was this was this like a really personal project for you? Um, it was in some ways. So I feel like um, I, like Mina, I worked in, and lived and worked in the UK for a long time. I was there for almost 10 years. And then I had to come home and kind of reconnect with people in my life who maybe I hadn't seen for a long time or hadn't had a great relationship with for a while. And there is very much that feeling when you come back, even though I've lived in Australia for most of my life, you come back here and you do feel a bit like an alien and you're just trying to kind of work people and things out and just remember which side of the escalator you have to walk on. Um, just all just little and big things where you're just kind of trying to reacquaint yourself with your old life, I suppose. Um, so in that way, it was very personal experience and kind of very like emotionally resonant with my real life. And also, I guess, with the kind of family, family part of it as well. I think for anybody who lives overseas for a long time um, and has that freedom of movement, you sort of always have that thought in the back of your head it's like what's that phone call or what's that emergency that's going to get me on the plane home and for me it wasn't an emergency so much as my dad was ill um, and I kind of decided to come home um, while I could still have some good time with him um, so I kind of made that decision in advance of of the emergency phone call coming but I think there's still that element of kind of grieving that life that I had in London um, that Mina also goes through but she's also kind of grieving the life that she had had in Melbourne too so it's kind of this real um, I guess whirlpool of emotions for her. Um, yeah it certainly is. Yeah and I guess just I really wanted to write something as well that was kind of a, a bit of a love letter to friendship um, and I feel like so many of the characters in this book, it's kind of trying to understand what sort of romantic love means in their lives, but sort of soon discovering that their friendships are just as, if not more, valuable and important to them. Yes. Yes, I, I remember really enjoying that element. And I remember this um, delicious blend you concoct of comedy and um, uh, blankness and darkness um, in your novel. Um, and there's there's a, a, a balance of a really coarse honesty about people and how they are, um, combined with the real gentleness with which you handle the characters, um, which is something you don't often read, um, or at least in, in my experience, you don't often read in the work of young writers. Um, it's maybe one of the things that distinguishes Sally Rooney, for example. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, who, who do you read? Um, where do you get inspiration? Um, I mean, I have read all the Sally Rooney's and I do think that she's quite remarkable in the way that she kind of handles um, the kind of honest relationship between people. Um, but I also, I, I love Maggie Nelson. I've been like rereading some of the Maggie, the Maggie Nelsons lately. Um, and I love Deborah Levy. I think mm-hmm, Cost of Living is, is quite an extraordinary um, piece of work. And I've read it kind of twice or three times a year since it first came out. Um, what else have I been reading? When I was writing Kokomo, I actually read a book called The Animators by Kyla Ray. Oh, yeah. Read that? There was something about the kind of relationship between the two main characters in that that book, and I've forgotten their names now, but um, their friendship was so honest and so complex and so fraught, and it was a real roller coaster ride. And there was so much energy between them and also energy and pace in that book that I feel like that was a kind of a big influence on me as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled you brought that up. I've forgotten about that novel. There's that, she really beautifully captures um, the creative lifestyle. Absolutely. I feel like that Friendships that sort of, so, yeah. Yeah, sadly underread. I just didn't hear enough people talking about it. I'm glad we've given it a boost on the podcast. Yeah, put a link too. to it in the show notes. Great. Um, uh, one area, speaking of uh, creativity, uh, one area that um, you explore in this novel with um, respect to the life that Mina leaves behind in London is um, the way women are exploited, particularly in the creative industries. Um, and there's a devastating blow that... Um, she receives at one point in this novel and I remember reading those pages um, while I was on a train in Sydney and uh, I was sitting pretty much alone in this carriage um, just uh, as it was sinking in and um, there was a guy on the other side of the room on the other side of the carriage and he was just sort of sprawling across six seats somehow and he got his phone speaker out and started playing that sad Green Day song. Oh God! Oh, something the unpredictable. Oh, yeah. um, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, well, it just punctuated the moment. Like he just suddenly represented the entire patriarchy, and I've never <laughs> wished worse things to happen to another human being. Um, but apart from being angry at random dudes on the train, um, what can we do to? combat the cultural shitness, uh, particularly in the creative industries? Oh, that's such a good good question. Um, I wish I had an answer of how to fix it. Um, in my experience, it's just like having greater representation of like diversity of not just gender, but also um, race. Um, there's just still, even in most agencies that I've worked at, it's still so dominated by white men. Um, and I guess while those people are still in power, it's hard to shift things. Um, but I feel like, you know, we've just got to keep using our voices. And, I mean, I guess I, I did it in novel form, but also in jobs I've had before I've always been the one putting my hand up to be like hey this isn't right hey we need a a voice in this hey and but it does get to the point where they're like oh here she goes again I'm always I'm that person um yeah 
and yeah. so it is exhausting. So we just need people who have um, the power and the voices, I suppose, to just keep keep talking and keep putting their hand up when they think things aren't right. Absolutely, especially if you are that um, <laughs> if you are that white guy in uh, the creative industries, and um, opportunity does come to you on a silver platter, maybe you should. Um, ask the question is is the silver platter going around or is it just yeah. coming to you and why yeah, is it do just I coming deserve, to you? yeah do I deserve this silver platter yes yeah. yeah totally there's nothing wrong with the silver platter but it needs to be shared um maybe just we should break it up into a bunch of smaller silver plates so that everyone can have a piece everyone gets a shard yeah um, um uh, without um, wanting to, to spoil um, uh, what goes on in the novel, um, there are um, episodes where you uh, do a flashback to the 1980s and you get um, generational perspectives. Um, as the author, was it um, enjoyable for you to uh, step back and um, uh, write that different time frame, or do you prefer to stay in the present? Um, one thing I learned while I was writing this is that I don't really enjoy research. So um, it, in some ways it was like it was nice to kind of go back in the characters' lives and sort of understand a bit more about their motivations and why they behave the way they behave. But when it came to like getting things right about what a certain street would look like, I found that like quite excruciating. Um, so in some ways I prefer the present, but maybe I just need, whenever I do a flashback in the future, I just need to like make it in just like an empty room or something. So I don't have to worry about historical inaccuracies. Yes. Oh, well, that's what editors can help with. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I actually, um, get my mum to do a bit of research for me at one point because she loves that. And so I was like, Hey mum, can you just find a picture of what this certain street looked like in 1980? And she, she was very into that. Oh, great. Yeah, family, that's... It's a family affair. Family affair. Um, in your um, bio, um, it describes you as a writer, photographer, and creative director. Um, what do you get up to in the way of photography and creative directing? So photography, um, I used to do quite a lot more than I do now, I guess, because the writing has sort of taken over a bit. Um, but I am a kind of, I would describe myself as a vernacular photographer. Um, I shoot on film only with just all natural light. Um, in the past, I've kind of shot for some magazines. So when I was living in the UK, I did some stuff for Glamour and a food magazine called Lucky Peach. Um, I've read that. It's a, yeah, it's a great, great magazine. So that was a, just an absolute honour to be asked yeah. to do. Um, and I had a blog that was quite popular for a while back in the olden days when people had blogs. Um, and so that was kind of the photography stuff. Now I exhibit every so often. Like I had a, my first kind of solo show a year or two ago. Um, and now it's kind of a bit more just for fun. Um, but I guess the other side of things is like how I actually make money is that I still do a bit of work in advertising and marketing in the kind of digital space here and there so a bit more on a freelance basis now but um yeah I'm still unfortunately for me I maybe I shouldn't say that entrenched in the in the advertising world um oh well, it's uh I'm sure there were worse places to be entrenched yeah. um <laughs> uh 
uh, are you perhaps responsible for the beautiful um, photograph on the jacket of Kokomo? I'm not. I tried. I, uh, every so often with my publisher, I would just send send him a couple of pictures to be like, what about this one? I know the photographer. I can get it for you very cheap. And he was like, no, no, shh, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe book two. I'll be able to get my own picture on the, on the front. Um, uh, the bio also describes artisan residence programs in Brazil, Tasmania and Iceland. Yeah. Um, have you decided which continent or latitude is most suitable for creating wonderful literary fiction now? Um, You've sampled I, them all. Uh, I love them all. It's too hard to choose. I also, I did one in America last year as well. Um, wow. I like to travel. And so if I can do a residency while I'm there, I can somehow justify taking all of, all of these holidays. Um, but they're all sort of, I think they influenced the book in all of like quite odd and different ways. And in each one, I don't know, something about residencies that kind of make people a little bit crazy. I guess you're all <laughs> locked up in a house together in a foreign country and um, all just trying to do work together. And I don't know, there's always some, some interesting personalities and strange things that take place. So I definitely feel like some of the, maybe particularly the Iceland one, um, kind of impacted certain parts of the, the book, for sure. That's really cool. Um, uh, how are you responding to all the early praise? And um, have you shared the novel around with your um, close family and loved ones? Um, so I held off sharing the novel with my parents for quite some time. And anyone who reads the first chapter will understand why. Uh, I was pretty nervous about that. And even when I was writing it, I was like, I'm going to try and make this quite weird in certain places, but it's okay. No <laughs> one's ever going to read it. Like mum and dad are never going to see it. And then obviously um, it's going to be in shops pretty soon. And my mum has convinced her book club to do it as their book club pick. Um, so I was like, okay, I have to buy the bullet and send it to them. Um, and so my mum has read it and uh, she said, I wasn't offended in any way. So that's good. That's the, the best possible feedback, I think. Yeah. Um, but in terms of um, praise, I don't know, it still sort of doesn't feel real. And I still sort of suspect that maybe my publisher is just slipping people a check here and there to say nice things. <laughs> I assure you, it's I've, I've received no such check. And I okay, it. maybe um, maybe it's in the mail. Keep checking. <laughs> Um, what are you going to work on next? Um, so I have just actually finished a second draft of my second novel. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it is also about grief in many ways, but quite a different story. And it's told from five people's point of view. Um, and hopefully we'll not, there'll be some lightness with the dark, just like in Kokomo too. I don't want it to be a, a sad novel even though it is um about death and grief so hopefully Sounds some good good in there too yeah um and how are you uh staying sane in the time of corona um how are you how are you handling it i'm not sure that i am staying sane yeah. but, um i got a cat that was the kind yes. of best thing that i did he's just probably the best decision i've ever made he's very cute and silly so that's been nice. Um, and I'm trying to exercise every day and get really ripped. Oh, cool. 
yeah so um ask me again in a couple of months and maybe i'll be able to send you a picture of my six pack or something um that sounds really exciting yeah but just those <laughs> things <laughs> uh, victoria thank you so much for chatting today and being generous with your time and for writing such a wonderful novel thank you so much i'm such a fan of the podcast so it was so nice to be invited to talk to you we will have you back in a heartbeat um Kokomo is published by Hachette and it is available from booktopia.com.au along with all the other wonderful novels we mentioned earlier. We'll put a link in the show notes as mentioned. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.